Hello and welcome to Codish, an exploration of the lives of modern developers. Join us as we dive into topics like languages and frameworks, data and event-driven architectures, and individual and team productivity, all tailored to developers and engineering leaders. This episode is part of our Tools and Tips series. My name is Haley Walls. I am a customer solutions architect with Heroku, and I'm here today with Paul Orland, the founder of Tachius and the author of Math for Programmers. And we're going to talk about math. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and your book and maybe what brought you to write that? Um, I've always been uh, a math nerd my whole life. I remember like when I was you know five years old or something, and we would go to breakfast every weekend and on the restaurant napkin. My dad would, would always give me a math problem to work on while we waited for our food. Um, so yeah, ever since I was little, I, around that time, I was also interested in, you know, what's the biggest number you can count to? Um, and I, I learned about things like a Google and a Googleplex. So ever since I was little, it kind of fascinated me. And I, since then, tried to, you know, learn more about math and, and turn it into, you know, something I, I, it turned into something that I studied in college. I majored in math. Um, and then went on to uh, work in software and, and mathematical parts of software and then start my own company. And, and basically what we've, what we've done at my company is we've used math and, and physics uh, and machine learning to build predictive models uh, in the energy industry. We, we can predict um, what uh, oil fields will do uh, in the future, what kinds of fluid will come out of the ground and what, how much you know, volume and, and flow rate will, will come out. And, and there's a lot of math behind that, too. So I guess then my, my career as a, as a software engineer working and an entrepreneur working on mathematical problems in software, I found this interesting problem, which is that there's a lot of really smart technical software engineers out there, uh, but some of them don't know, you know calculus or linear algebra or the kind of the basic things that you need to, to know to, to plug into some types of modern software teams. And I decided to, you know, after some time training my team, I uh, decided to kind of try and package what I had taught them and shared with them and put it in a book that would be available to and available to a lot more people and hopefully teach math to a lot more people. That's awesome. I think that um, one of the things I really like and appreciate about your book is I, I came around to math and sort of the, the way that you're describing your audience where I didn't do much of it growing up and I certainly didn't do any in college, but found myself looking at problems later on that that was a useful skill to have and an interesting topic and grew into being an amateur math enthusiast, uh, which is how I live these days. Um, and yeah. I can find lots of excuses to use it in my job and use it in my work. And yeah, I just get really excited about the kinds of problems like you're, like you're working on with your company, the, the sort of predictive models you can use or um, different optimizations you can make. I think it's all super fascinating. So I remembered, and, and we discussed before this podcast, the age old question in math class of when am I going to use this in real life? And I guess for some people, uh, like, like me, I was I was lucky to get um, you know exposed to a lot of enthusiastic you know users and learners of math when I was young, and I never really questioned whether it was something worth learning. But for a lot of people, it takes you know it takes until later in, in life or in their career where they find a problem that they can't solve, and then they think, "Wow, I wish I wish I had gone in and and went deeper when I had the chance in school." Um, so I definitely understand that. I think one of the other things you do a, a good job of pointing out in the book is that it can grow beyond that problem solving into sort of its own joy and, and you can learn to just appreciate it for, for what it is and get a richer understanding of math beyond just whatever problem you might be solving. Although um, you have a lot of good examples of 
neat problems you can work on to to introduce yourself to those topics and and give yourself something practical to work through. Well, this is something I've thought about a lot. Like, why why do I like math, or what's interesting to me? Because that's I mean that's a big question in in education. If you want to teach something to someone, first you should try and motivate it and tell them why they want to learn it. I, I do that a little bit in chapter one of my book, but at at some point, you know, when I was in school. Uh, math was like a fun competition and it was like, there's this problem and you're competing against yourself and you're competing against your classmates. You know, there's a right answer. Um, there's, you know, maybe it's a, a proof that gets you to the answer and it's kind of, um, a test of your test of your metal to get it done. And then I think it, you know, a little bit beyond that when I didn't care so much about it, like contests or, or exams or grades, um, started thinking about math as like, you know, this this kind of abstract game that we play and it puts you in touch with, in, in, in a some sense, uh, arguably, like what are the what are the deep quantitative secrets of the universe? Like you know these Platonic ideas that somehow exist that people discover and don't invent. I think a lot of mathematicians would say that math is discovered, not invented. So that's that's been interesting to me. And then since then, I've really made an effort since I've been a you know software developer and and uh, been out of school. I've made an effort to like deliberately practice math and get better at it by doing problems. And then I found that there's a a whole other way to, to enjoy math, which is thinking about it. Like it's almost like an intellectual version of bodybuilding where you have this, you have challenges and they seem, they seem difficult or impossible. Um, Like, you know, it's like the first time some people go to the gym and they try and pick up a a 10 pound weight and and do a couple reps and they get sore. Um, And then you look at someone who's, who's next door, who's, who's bench pressing, uh, 300 pounds and you, you'd think like, how could this person possibly do it? Um, but you know, you do the 10 pounds a couple of times and you do the 15 pounds and then you, you build up and eventually you can do the 300 pounds. And math is a very similar, like intellectual version of that, where you train on, on problems and you can really feel yourself gaining kind of mental skills or like developing a mental tool belt. Uh, and I found that that's really satisfying as well. So this, this is all to say that I think there's a lot of ways that, that you can love math or, or get into it. Um, and I hope, I hope, you know, everybody who picks up my book finds a, at least one of those ways to latch on to. So we have some examples of programming topics that relate to math, starting with some of the more abstract examples that you start with in the book with uh, vectors and graphics. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think it's, it's been really interesting to me in my, in my programming career to try and take what I learned. Like, I guess I can say a little bit more about how I got into software. I, I was a math major in college and I decided that like my freshman or sophomore year and my parents, parents said to me, you know, they, they expressed a little bit of concern. Like, what, why are you going into math? What kind of, I think my dad said, what kind of J-O-B are you going to get with a math degree? Um, and I think the answer is with a math degree, you can kind of do anything, but there's kind of, you know, there's only one, one job called mathematician, but then there's all sorts of different jobs that, that use math to some extent. Um, and I, I ended up kind of stumbling into software at the end of my um, undergrad career because it's, you know, it's like you're, you're flexing the same intellectual muscles as, as when you do math, when you're writing a program, you have to think, I mean, you're, you're essentially writing a proof when you write a program, you have to, you have to prove the existence of this thing that you want to work and you have to work in a formal language uh, that's your programming language. You know, it's kind of unforgiving the same way that uh, mathematical proofs are. It's either correct or it's not. And then the computer is the the final arbiter of correctness. It, either the compiler will will uh, will succeed and in your program will run and there won't be bugs, or you'll you'll have some problems along the way. So anyway, that's that's kind of the first way that I connected math to software. 
Um, and then, I, you know, there's all sorts of specific things you can do. Like I, I built some simple games in, in JavaScript and in Python to do almost any kind of graphics or, or game design. Even if you're using a game engine, you need, to, you need to use some math to find out where things are, how they're moving, you know, if two things are colliding with each other. And that's a lot of the math that I talk about in the, in the book, especially in, in part two of the book. Um, something else I've gotten into is like that there are actual, there are ways to get closer to the, the original, the, the, you know, the first thing that I was talking about where, where you think about programming as a mathematical exercise and, and it's not just, you know, philosophically they're similar. You can actually kind of reason about programs using mathematical methods. So, you know, you, you can think of a program as taking some data in, doing some computation and putting some data out. Uh, and if it's deterministic, meaning it gives you the same outputs for, for every time you, you pass in the same input, then really what you have is a mathematical function. And that's one of the simplest you know, mathematical building blocks you can work with. So in, in functional programming, you take that view to the extreme and you say, everything that I have is, you know, it's, it's all functions, sending inputs to outputs deterministically, and you compose them together by, by sending the outputs of one function, the inputs of the next function, and then you get basically every tool from uh, set theory and function theory. And then there's another, there's another branch of math called category theory, which kind of looks at all the various generalizations of that. Um, so I've, I've had a lot of fun learning about that. And there have been valuable ways to kind of apply that to uh, design and architecture, not just um, numerical computations. For me, the, the way that I ended up connecting the math and the programming um, was a little bit different in that I had been doing programming to get myself through college for biology. So I had the programming skills for the practical reasons, but had all these interests in these different um, modeling problems. So population modeling or um, genetics, these, these different categories there. And right. realized at some point that like all of the things we were being told to do in Excel for class or um, with these other sorts of tools, I could figure out how to do it easier and better in Python. Yeah, And so started teaching myself some of those mathematical concepts in Python and figuring out how to use that to accomplish my goals for these different kinds of problems. Yeah, I, I would love to see more math learners exposed to that stuff because um, my experience was when I was in first grade, I, I remember this calculator that I got. It, it was a talking calculator. So it had all the numbers and plus minus times divide equals, maybe it had a memory button, but that was about it. And it would, it would say anything you typed back to you. So that was my first calculator. Um, and my favorite thing to do with that was like, I, I typed in, you know, two times two, and then I just hit equals. And every time you hit equals, it would multiply by two. And then eventually I could get it to say error, 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 error over and over again. So that was my first, that was my first calculator of any time, uh, or of any kind that I got. Um, and then I, you know, gradually as you go through school, you get calculators with, with more buttons on them. And in, in middle school, I got a scientific calculator and kind of was mystified by, you know, what's the sine button, cosine, exponential, like, I, you know, didn't know what any of those things meant, but it was kind of intriguing that there were these new buttons. And then I got to high school and I got a, a calculator that had probably, uh, I don't know, 50 buttons on it. And it was a graphing calculator and you could make graphs on it and you could do, you know, multiple step equations on it. And each, each of the 50 buttons actually had two or three different modes. So there, there might as well have been 100 or 150 buttons on there. And then uh, you could actually write some computer programs on it as well. So it was like, you know, the, you keep getting these calculators that are, that are extensions that let you do more and more, and you need to know more and more to use them, but, but they sort of give you a, 
uh, an extra tool to help your thinking. Um, and I graduated high school and started working on a pure math major in, in college and never used a calculator again after that. Um, so it's kind of, it was interesting to me how you, you use technology up to a point in math and then you kind of, you kind, it kind of falls by the wayside. And I think the next calculator I really used was a high level programming language. And I used Python. I've used um, my kind of my favorite programming language is F sharp. And I use that at my company. These are really like the most powerful kinds of calculators you can have because they come with kind of libraries. And if there's not the library that you want to, that, that does what you want already, you can download a new library or, or, or write your own library. Um, so they're, they're like calculators and you can, you can add buttons to them. And I, talk about this a little bit in chapter one of my book, but I, I really I really feel strongly about this, that everybody should be using extensible calculators, calculators that don't have a fixed number of buttons, essentially. And if people learn you know, Python in elementary school or middle school, then they could take Python with them their whole life. Uh, and it doesn't actually have to be Python. I think another, another underrated programming environment is Excel. And Excel is a calculator that a ton of professionals use, probably more than any you know, physical desktop calculator. There are a ton of jobs that use Excel and have Excel as a prerequisite. And I would say, why not? Why not incorporate Excel or spreadsheets more gen- generally in um, in math education? I like your point about getting people uh, in front of these more extensible calculators, the the programmatic kind, earlier because it also has this benefit of giving you a lot of feedback. Um, and especially if you're using something like notebooks or some of these other tools that can they can make the inputs and outputs more visible and more interactive for you. I personally find that super helpful. And, and notebooks, I, I should mention, I, you know, a year or a year and a half ago or something, um, I stumbled across Jupyter notebooks. My wife is actually an astronomer and she does a lot of data analysis with um, space telescopes, like the Hubble, Hubble Space Telescope is one that probably most people know about. Uh, and she, for almost all of her scientific work, uses Jupyter notebooks and I saw her using them and I thought, wow, this is like a great, this isn't just a great uh, work environment. This is also a good teaching tool because you can put something really reproducible here and it shows you every single step. And it's not like a program where, you know, in a, if you opened up, I don't know, if you opened up the, the, the source code for say Microsoft Windows or something and you looked at the first line of the first file, it wouldn't really tell you how Windows works. It's not organized in that way. Most code is not organized in, in uh, you know, sequential order. But in a Jupyter notebook, it really shows you not just the code that works, but a thought process. Um, so I, I love that about, about notebooks, and I uh, continue to try and, and use them more and, and use them to, to share ideas more. So one thing that uh, I can certainly relate to, and I think a lot of people struggle with, is the sense that maybe they're not good at math or um, that math is going to be too hard. It's, it's not a thing that they do. That was certainly a thing that I had to get yeah. past a little bit in myself. And so if you were able to give some advice to anybody who's listening to this and thinking that they want to tackle a math problem and, and start to apply these things creatively themselves, but are still hung up on that, that kind of math anxiety, what sort of advice would you have for them? I'll, I'll start by saying, you know, I was a star math student in high school. I accelerated and took, you know, college classes while I was in high school. Then I went to a, a top top university for math and got the intensive math degree and took graduate level classes. Um, since then I've gotten a master's degree in physics. And since then I've, I've still taken a couple of classes on the side. It, like the last class I took was like, I guess it must be, you know, I took algebra one in high school. I took algebra two in high school. Um, I took probably two years of algebra in 
uh, in college. And I have now taken like a year going on, on maybe two years of, of algebra in, in grad school. And I, I have math anxiety. Like I, I feel like I, I get problems that I don't know how to do and I wonder if I'm cut out for it. And if I look back, if I, if I sat in high school and I, I think I'm, I'm in ninth grade math and I guess what, what would this be? This would be like 18th or 19th grade level math. Um, like I would never be cut out for that. I can never do it. So sometimes I have to catch myself even now gotten, having gotten this far um, with my own math anxiety. Like this is a problem. I don't know how to prove it. I think the advice I would give to people is that know that whoever is seems like they're a million levels beyond you or, or 10 grade levels beyond you or however you want to think about it, they have their own problems that are hard for them. And they just, you know, they've, they've put in some work and they've gotten to a, a certain level of comfort with things. And uh, so, some things are easy to them, but some things are also hard. And it's not about you. It's about, uh, you know, what, what effort you are willing to put in and, and how many problems you're willing to work through. And that, I don't think there's anyone who's, who's more cut out or less cut out for math. I think it's just, um, you, you care about the problems and you do you work through them. Do you have other recommendations for people who are looking to get started in math? Your, your book's a great place to start, I think. Um, but any other areas that you could recommend for diving into math skills, different tools or uh, resources for people? Well, I would say definitely check out my book. I guess I'm one of the, I'm on this podcast to some extent to promote my book. So please, please buy my book. Uh, if you like it, buy, buy three more copies for all of your friends or, or something like that. I, I think for a, for a particular type of math learner, um, you know, diving into math for programmers is a great thing. If like, you know, Python, then this is a great hands-on way to not just read a stale book, but you can actually every single, every single page almost has some code that you can type in and you can actually see it working. You don't have to just believe that a statement is true. Um, so, so yeah, that my book I think is great for that. For me, particularly learning by doing is the most important way to, to learn something. So I don't really have the attention span to read a read a math book. Um, even even describing how far I've made it in math, I can't like for some reason I can't pay attention to a math lecture that's more than twenty minutes long. I, I'll, I'll zone out or get lost. Um, same thing with reading. I can read like you know five or ten pages in a sitting, but then I have to take a break, especially with a really dense math book. Um, so what, what works for me is is picking a problem that I'm really interested in and letting it either you know either I work it out on on paper for a long time or I kind of let it incubate. And uh, I end up solving or, or cracking problems that I thought were impossible after I just kind of let them let them percolate like that. Another thing I like to do is, is and this is probably obvious for my book, but I like to take something that's a math concept that I know or I'm just learning and turn it into some code. So if it's, you know, if I, if I can compute something, write a program to, to compute something, I really know I've mastered it. There's no way to to argue with a working computer program versus if you read something, you may say, Oh, did I get this? Did I not get it? Making a, making a working program or a working calculation or solving an exercise correctly. These are all ways to really have a hands-on experience and also convince yourself that you, you know what you're doing. Having, having said that I learn best by doing, not everybody learns best by doing. Like I, I, I see people in graduate level math classes and I see people who, who sit next to me and just digest the whole lecture and seem like they get it in one go. And you may be one of those people and, and that's totally fine. Just, I would say, be thoughtful about what works for you and don't get too stressed out if you see someone else who's uh, able to learn in a different way that doesn't work for you because it's not, that's not the goal. The goal is not to learn in some specific way or at some specific speed. It's to really master and, and, and enjoy the material and be able to apply it. 
I, I really like the point about uh, seeing other people maybe being able to take in the whole lecture while you yourself get about five or 10 pages through and then need, need to relax and let that percolate through your mind. This is definitely how my experience tends to play out. And I think it's easy to, if you're not already in that uh, math mindset, and then that's a thing that you're practicing, and it's a thing that you're studying, it can be easy to look at other people and think that they're all just sitting there figuring out the entire lecture all at once and think that you're not yeah. living up to that standard because your learning style is a little bit different. Yeah, I, I think going back to sports metaphors, because I'm not like a real sports fan or anything, but I like think about when I've done, you know, some type of exercise, like maybe I've been swimming a lot and then someone takes me on a hike and I've been swimming an hour a day, but like someone takes me on a hike up a mountain and I get winded after the first mile. And I'm like, you know, I'm doing cardio every single day, but like this, this slightly different uh, move or exercise or, or physical activity um, is still difficult. And I think it's the same for math. Like you can, you can, uh, or, or programming or any intellectual discipline, you really like, you focus on one type of problem or a couple types of problems. And then if you see one that's outside your wheelhouse, it may be difficult and it may be discouraging, but um, you can't let it, you can't let it get to you just because, you know, someone for someone else who's been hiking up mountains, um, going for a swim might be very difficult. So, you know, never, never judge yourself compared to others and always, always remember that you're, you're in the same process, uh, same kind of process, but on a different path as, as everyone else. That's fantastic. Thanks a lot, Paul. Um, your book is available on the Manning website, and I think we have a code for 40% off for that book. Uh, so from the Manning website, you can look for Math for Programmers and use the code PODISH19. That's P-O-D-I-S-H-19 and get a discount on Paul's book and get started learning some math and having some fun with it. I don't know if my my contact info is available, but um, if you've made it to this point in the podcast, you can feel free to email me. My email is my last name, Orland, Orland PM, as in uh, Paul Matthew at gmail.com. So um, I'm happy to talk to math with, with almost anyone who's, who's curious enough to start the conversation. So drop me a line and uh, tell me what you're interested in. Thanks so much, Paul. really appreciate you coming on the podcast. It was great talking to you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Codish Podcast. Codish is produced by Heroku, the easiest way to deploy, manage, and scale your applications in the cloud. If you'd like to learn more about Codish or any of Heroku's podcasts, please visit heroku.com slash podcasts.